You're listening to The Brook in Madison, Alabama. You cannot care for me with no regard for her. If you love me, you will love the church. In 2009, uh, right before we moved here, two and a half weeks before we moved here, I led my very last trip as a youth pastor, and it was a snow ski trip. used to lead snow ski trips all the time. I went snow skiing for 20 plus straight years of my life. I miss it dearly. But so one of the things you need to know about me in snow skiing is I like to get air. And I don't mean go over little bumps like I like to fly, and that's really not so good for you the older that you get. Um, I mean, we used to hike up 45 minutes at Telluride to a place called Gold Hill, where once you started skiing down, you were skiing for about an hour and a half. Some of you are like, this means nothing to me. I've never been skiing in my life. Anybody been skiing before? Okay, fantastic. Well, so on this trip, I'm headed down the hill first day. And I'm flying, and I got some of my guys behind me. And over to the left, I see our trail goes up this embankment and meets this other trail. And when I see something like that, all I see is a launch pad. And so I begin moving to the left, and I'm hauling. And I go over this thing, and I got my skis were at least probably five feet in the air. I probably went about 25 feet or so, and it was, it was amazing. For a few seconds of my life, I was like a bald eagle with hair, and I was just (laughs) soaring. And then came the landing. It's not what you think. Because I landed what probably looked from far away just quite beautifully and gracefully, but my left ski came down, and then my right ski came down. And that's when I felt the pop in my lower back. And it wasn't so much a warm rush, but like a boiling hot rush of blood. I really honestly thought somebody shot me in the back. I, mean, I thought these guys, they're mad that I'm moving and leaving. One of them finally decided, let's just take him out. I thought I had been shot. And uh, for the rest of that trip, it was absolute misery. Some of you in here who deal with back pain, you're feeling what I'm saying right now. I mean, I was hunched over. The only good time I had was when I was riding up the lift because the weight of my skis would pull my legs and my back down. But I got home, and before I ever even moved here, it was two weeks, I went to the doctor, rehab, stretched, all that, good as new. So good as new that over the next couple years of my life, I ran another couple half marathons. I ran a whole marathon in Memphis, best marathon I ever ran. So, you know, I did really, really well. Well, then the winter of 2011 came. And January, I think, of 2012, I'm training for another marathon. Because when you run a marathon, most people, you just got to go run another one. And so I'm out one day, and I'm running supposed to be, I think, like a 12 or 14-mile run. And I used to love to go and park at Kroger at Hughes and Madison Pike because you can run, like, really far in any direction from there. So, like, I went one way, came back, and then I ran down to Indian Creek Greenway. And um, so I'm running the greenway. I'm probably on about mile 10. And all of a sudden, my back said, I'm done. And just to be, I guess, this might be too much information, but 
hey, you need to understand. Uh, there's part of your back that really should not be able, you sh- it's not your back. It's like your butt, right? And it's like my rear end just went <laughs> and just said, you're not going anywhere. And so I walked all the way up, and I emphasize the word up, from the Greenway all the way back to Hughes and Madison Pike. If you've driven that road, you know, it just keeps going uphill, uphill, uphill. And if you'd seen me on the side of the road that day, you would have thought, something's wrong with that guy. (laughs) I mean, I would stop, lay down, try and stretch, get up. There might have even been a period where I crawled. I don't know, but it was very miserable. So the next day I went to my chiropractor, Dr. Johnson, who I love very dearly. And he is, uh, did I hear a yes? That's right. See, I'm telling you, testification right here, if that's even a word. Um, He says to me, yeah, there is something wrong with your back, but here's what you need to know. Your legs are causing this problem. And I'm going, what are you talking about? He said, well, the problem is your calf muscles and your hamstrings are so tight right now that the only thing they know to do is grab your back and yank. And so we're going to try and help you out with this. But the first few times we do, you're going to want to kill us. And boy, did I want to kill them. But that was the beginning of the realization for me that there were parts of my body at war against one another. And it wasn't working very well. I neglected to understand that all the parts of my body had to be working. You think about running and you think, well, I just need a few certain parts to work. No, no, all of them functioning together. We only get one body and we really, really need to take care of it. We need to know what strengthens it. We need to know what weakens it. We need to know what potentially might cause members of it to go to war against one another. We need to put healthy things into our body so that it functions properly. We need to exercise it so that it doesn't begin to atrophy, decay, and die. We need all of these parts working. All of them. And, you know, we realize this even more when one of them stops working. Moreover, if we lose one of them. But we also realize it when some of them uh, declare war against each other. That's exactly what was happening in the church in Corinth. There were people within the church, there were members of the body that were not seeing themselves or one another correctly, not understanding that they were all needed and that they all had to be working together in unity for this thing called church to work. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes this letter that we call 1 Corinthians, and within that letter, he addresses the issue going on. He powerfully explains to them that you, the church, are the body of Christ. As the church, we are the body of Christ. And that's not only significant for the Corinthians, that's significant for us as well. So this morning, we're going to explore why is this so important for us as God's people. If you've got your Bible or your smartphone app or whatever, uh, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. First of all, look with me at what Paul says in verse 7. He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit 
for the common good. What that means is to every single one of us who are children of God, who are believers in Christ, we are all given a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts for the good of the entire body. Okay, and in verse 11, all of these gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions or gives to each one individually as he wills. Verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Within what we're going to read this morning, Paul helps us understand that there are two churches that we need to identify. There is the universal church, which is the people of God worldwide, and there is the local church. And Paul begins by addressing the universal church. He says in verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body and were made to drink of one spirit. That is not talking about water baptism here. Paul is actually talking about the thing that our water baptism represents, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That when you and I come to faith in Christ and we surrender our lives to him, that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and consumes us. And so all the people of God, brothers and sisters in Christ worldwide, we are the universal church. And then Paul moves into addressing the local church, and this is where he camps out for most of 1 Corinthians 12. And in what we're going to hear him say to the local church, there's really mainly just two things he's trying to get across. The first one is, all of us are important. All of us are significant. Each one of us plays a role. And then what you're going to see in a few minutes, Paul shift and transition to is saying, but don't you dare for a minute start thinking that you're too important or that you're important and someone else is not. So let's start with issue one, what we've already read. The first thing that Paul really addresses is that every single one of us, children of God, followers of Christ, we all have a responsibility to the body. We all have a responsibility as a member of the church. Paul said God has gifted and strengthened each one of us for the good of the entire body. Verse 7 is very important for us to remember. The hand doesn't get to say, you know, I sure wish I was a foot, so I'm just going to sit around and do nothing. Doesn't really work that way. There's a level of trust going on here. Everything that Paul says 
it has to be taken through a level of trust in the sovereignty of God that we believe that God gives to us what he knows and believes that we need and that the rest of the body need for us to have. So there, there is a level of trust that God has equipped us in his perfect way. And you notice verse 18, it says, God arranged and placed the members just as he saw fit. You know, this is true of your body and my body. But it is just as much, if not more true, of his body, the church. And so this means that if I'm a hand, I don't get to stop being a hand because I just really wish I was an eye. It it just doesn't happen this way. The Lord says, hey, I, I put two hands there because I need them, both of them working in unity together for the sake of the whole body. So, hey, hand, stop sitting around wishing you were an ear. Do what I designed you to do. John MacArthur, he puts it this way. <clears throat> Let me read you what he says in his commentary. The arm does not have one will, the foot another, and the eye still another. Each is controlled by the head, the mind, the will, and the spirit. It is possible for the body to be so remarkably coordinated only because it is directed by one will. One will tells us each part of the body, one will tells each part of the body to do what it is best designed and equipped to do, and consequently they work in marvelous harmony together. How much more should the Lord Jesus Christ control his own body, the church, of which he is not only head, but creator. The body, this is be helpful for us to remember, the, the body doesn't work for the foot or the feet. The body doesn't work for the lungs or the liver. The body doesn't work for the ears. The eyes, the ears, the liver, the lungs, the heart, the feet, they work for the body. And the body tells all of them what needs to happen for all of this to work together. Now, you may be wondering this morning, why is there a bike up here? And I know many of you are wondering this because others have asked me, why didn't you ride that in this morning? That would have been cool. Well, I did that a few years ago, and it didn't totally go so well. So wasn't going to go there this morning. But if you look at your sermon notes, let's look at this two ways. First of all, when someone like me looks at a bike. Do you know what I see? I see a bike. Now, granted, I see that there are a few parts of the bike. There's the handlebars, and there's the seat and the pedals, whatever. Look at that diagram that you have there. I don't even begin to see all of that junk when I look at this bike. But Every one of those parts is significant and important because I'm guessing the bike people in this room could probably say, yeah, you yank one of those parts out, we're in big trouble. But now let's talk about what happens when you ride a bike. Because again, it seems as though riding a bike is all about the legs. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? No, it's not. Because if I hopped on this bike right now, you sure better hope that my eyes are working properly so that I can see where I'm going and what's ahead. Might run into something like a mailbox. Um, You better hope that that thing 
up here between your ears and your hands are working properly because those help you balance to actually ride the bike. And then there's that crazy thing we all have called a brain, which when you get on a bike, you don't even have to tell it to, it just remembers how to ride. And so things are not always as they seem. All of the parts, whether it is all the parts of the bike or all the parts of me or all of those parts together have to work in this beautiful harmony in order for this thing to happen that we call riding a bike. And again, riding a bike is probably one of the things that we would put on our easiest things to do list. Now, some of you are going, not me, but the the laughers, they're the people that... They'd be running in the mailboxes. But it is. It's one of those things we learned how to do it as a kid. I can still hop on it now. I don't even have to think about it. Phew, I just go. Each of us as a member has a role to play, a responsibility to the body. So Paul says, don't you dare underestimate your significance. But then Paul kind of changes direction and he begins to say this but don't you dare underestimate the significance of anyone else either. Look with me in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers... All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Jesus, yes, Paul, but I'm going to say Jesus leaves zero room for any part of his body to think that it is more important, significant, or esteemed than any of the other parts. Paul says, if one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Don't you dare think that any part is more important or more significant in what I desire to happen through my body. My wife, two years ago, got to have surgery on the big toe on her right foot. Well, 48 hours from now, the left foot is going under. Same surgery, big toe. We knew this was eventually going to happen, but like a week and a half ago, my wife's just out walking the dogs through the neighborhood, and she accidentally just slightly kicked the curb. You would have thought that a dog ripped her toe off. Because that one toe, and granted, it's a toe, right? That's the way we think, it's a toe. But that one toe over the last eight days has caused her intense radiating pain shooting up her leg, 
which has in turn on more than one occasion caused her to turn to me and say, I really honestly believe I'm about to throw up because it's made her nauseous. And some of you know that when nausea sets in, here comes that lovely headache along with it. Don't you dare think any part of the body is less significant. Don't underestimate the less honorable parts of the body, Paul says. The parts that we think are less significant or less important, the apostle Paul says, mm-mm, think again. We all have limitations, don't we? All of us. But guess what? We all still have responsibilities. We all have weaknesses, but we also all have strengths. And we are called to use those strengths. We are responsible to use those strengths because God gave them to us because we are all an important part of the body of Christ. Now, maybe this morning, you know, we've used the word, Paul uses the word, we've used the word member. Maybe you're here this morning and and you're tempted to think, well, hey, I'm not a member, so this doesn't apply to me. First of all, if you're not a member, I would ask you the question, why not? This is something that you need to prayerfully consider. And, and if this is not the place, Chad mentioned a few moments ago the connection classes that we have that will be starting back. Folks, the reason that those classes are so vital is because we want you determining and discerning and praying through on the front end, Lord, is this the body of believers where you are calling me to engage? We don't want that to be something that you consider two years after you begin coming here. That's on the front end. But but being a member of a local church, it's biblical. It's what we are called to. Um, some th- again, some people think the way out of this whole thing is simply say, yeah, that's why I don't join a church or become a member. I need you to hear me this morning. That is an unbiblical decision because you cannot be a Christian and not be an active part of the body of Christ. And the way that Christ has said, you and I will be an active part of his body is through membership in the local church. Now, what I'm about to say does not even begin to apply across the board, so do not hear it or take it that way, but it needs to be said nonetheless. There are folks out there who go to worship one place and go to missional community or life group or small group another place, and then maybe they go to Bible study another place, and again, This is not to say that anybody out there who has association or relationship with more than one local church, that there's a problem there. But there are people out there that they go to worship here, they go to group here, they go to Bible study here, and what seems on the surface to be like this really intense level of spiritual maturity is actually what I would call spiritual gluttony. Because what it is, is it's like I'm 500 pounds spiritually and I'm just going to go raid every buffet in town. 
Because see, again, what may appear to be this spiritual giant is actually what I would call spiritual infancy. And I wouldn't call it spiritual infancy. Hebrews 5 and 6 calls it spiritual infancy. Because what it is, is this is someone who says, you know what, I refuse to allow my roots to grow down anywhere. I refuse to look anybody else in the face and say, you know what, I'm committed to you, hell or high water, I will walk with you, I will not walk away, and we will go through this together. We will journey through this life, and I'm here. And so I say all of that to you this morning to say, do not assume that what appears to be spiritual maturity is that, because it may very well just be spiritual gluttony. I also know of a family in this city, and you may say, well, how do you know this, Brian? Well, I'm friends with pastors, and we get together, and we talk, and I'll be very honest with you that I'm so grateful that most of the time I get together with my pastor friends, a lot of them, I don't want to say anything to them, because I feel bad, because I love all of y'all. Um, <laughs> But, but I know that there's a family in, in this, this area who for long, long, many years were at, at one church. And two years ago, they left because things were going on and decisions were being made that they didn't like and they weren't putting up with it. So they left and now they're active at another church right here in our city for the last two years. But you know what? They won't move their membership. And you know why they won't move their membership? Because they still want to be able to vote at their old church. And what that really means in English is they just want to tell everybody what they disagree with. And they want to keep the church and the pastor and the leadership from growing and moving in the direction that God's leading them to go. Folks, what that is, that is a cancerous tumor that needs to be cut out of the body. That is a man, husband, father, whatever he is that needs to be rebuked to his face. Because that is unbiblical. Quite frankly, it's just childish. If you are not a functioning member of the body, if you are not giving of yourself for the sake of the body of Christ within the local church, you are not seeing, viewing, or understanding the sovereign God of the universe rightly because the Lord has made very, very clear the local church is where I will carry out my mission. This is where I'm going to do it. Tom Rayner has a book that, it's a little bitty, and I should have brought it in here to show you this morning, and the book is called I Am a Church Member. Little bitty book, really great book. But within that book, Tom makes this statement, the concept of an inactive church member is an oxymoron. The concept of an inactive church member is an oxymoron. Biblical, no such church member really exists. And I think that it's important to point this out. And please hear me before I say this, that I say this in a heart of love. By inactive, I do not for a second mean that think that Tom Rayner means that someone's name is on a roll, but they never show up. Inactive means that I am not a vital, giving, functioning part of the body. And so, 
Do not allow yourself to be deceived into thinking that just because you take up one of these chairs on Sunday that you are an active church member. That's just not it. Folks, if I am the person within this body that you know better than anybody else, that should be a red flag. Because I know a lot of you, you walk in on Sunday morning, and then I know somebody else that walks in, and I think to myself, I hope those people know each other, because they got a lot more in common than I have. Don't, don't allow yourself to be deceived that just because we come in here and we sit and we sing and we listen and we walk back out that we're an active part of the church. It's something that you need to very, very prayerfully consider. Jesus, as we looked at last week, said, I will build my church. And when he said that, yes, he was talking in that context about the universal church. But understand this, scripture clearly teaches us that that will be manifested within the local church. There are almost, almost 20 references to the universal church in the New Testament. There are over 90 to the local church. You begin to understand the significance here. Look with me for a moment, if you would, at what Paul says at the end of his letter to the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 1 and just listen to, to what he says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, if someone is found stumbling in their sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And now turn over to 1 Peter and listen to what Peter says to the people in the church in Galatia and other churches in his letter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He says to them, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Friends, the things that Paul exhorted the Galatians to do, the things that Peter exhorted the churches to do, those have to be carried out within the context of a, a local body walking through everyday life, walking on mission together for the sake of the kingdom. Do you understand that? Because what you read here in Galatians and what you read in 1 Peter, I have two brothers in Christ named Robin and Samson who are halfway around the world in the country of India. And I love those two young men. We watched many, many people come to faith in Christ when I was in India a year ago. But you know what? The things that Paul said to do here, the things that Peter said to do here, I can't do for those two young men, and they can't do for me. I am halfway around the planet. 
That stuff has to happen. Bearing one another's burdens, picking each other up when we stumble and when we fall, showing hospitality to one another. Those things happen in the context of everyday life. They happen within the context of the local church. As Christians, we are part of the body of Christ. And as part of the body of Christ, we are called to invest and to function as a member of the local church. Let me close with this. For many, many years now, people have thought that the appendix is useless, we don't need that thing, just get it out of there. Which is somewhat comforting to many, many people, possibly even some of you sitting in this room, because you don't have yours anymore. Um, there will be someone somewhere today who goes to the ER and says, man, that chili's giving me gas. And they're going to run a test and they go, that's not gas. Your appendix is going to rupture. We're going to get that bad mama out. And they do. And you will be just fine. Why? Well, it's because you can live without it. But check this out. Research is showing now very, very powerful, very, very clear evidence that the appendix, what it does is it acts as this safe house and it just keeps storing up all of this good bacteria. And the only time that it releases that bacteria is when it detects that there is disease moving into your digestive system. So let's just use some common language we all know. The appendix is kind of like an arsenal. And it's just stocking up weapons. And it's just waiting for disease to try and sneak through and poof! I'm going to pounce. But now that's why you don't want it to rupture, because good or bad, you don't want bacteria running out through the rest of your body, right? But so I share that with you to say this. Just because you can live without something, that doesn't mean you don't need it. That doesn't mean that it's useless. And see, I, I want to encourage you this morning. I believe that maybe some of you are tempted to think, you know, hey, I've, I've kind of been attending here for a while, and it seems like God's doing some good things, and he's been doing all that up to this point without my help, so you guys really don't need me. Let me be clear. The Lord is moving and working and doing awesome and incredible things in and through the life of this church. And yes, I firmly believe that God is going to continue to do his work. Jesus is going to build his church. The kingdom is going to advance whether you and I choose to participate in it or not. But don't let any of that cause you to think we don't need you. We do. I don't know if maybe you need to consider yourself a big toe. We don't think a lot of the toes, but I promise you at this moment, my wife desperately needs her big toe to work. The parts less honorable, less significant. I think what Apostle Paul was trying to say was, hey, the guys that wind up talking on the stage, believe me, 
They are not any more important than anybody else. It may appear that way, but no. Folks, if we had four preschool workers go on strike right now, then we'd be in trouble. Please don't think that you are not important to the body. There may be a lot of parts of our bodies that doctors, scientists say, you know, those are useless, irrelevant, we don't really need them. But regardless of how things appear, please make sure you understand that God designs everything with great purpose. And that means he designed you with great purpose, your body, who you are, but he designed his body that way as well. And if you are a child of God, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are part of that body, the body of Christ, the local church, the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing his kingdom to this world right here, right now. And you and I have an opportunity to take part in that. Don't miss that. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we ask that where our body, your body, is not functioning the way that you intend it to, Lord, that you might point it out to us. Lord, if any of us are spiritually sitting on our hands, um, we pray that today you might give us the courage to stand up. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who thinks less of themselves than you do. God, that they might be able to repent of that wrong view. And Lord, begin to accept that, yes, Lord, we we know that we came into this world sinful and set against you. But Lord, sometimes I think that we, we begin to think that that's it. Lord, we pray that you would also help us to remember that, yes, we came into this world with our hearts set against you, but you created us to live for you. And when we surrender to you, when we give our lives to you, when the spirit overtakes us, when the word leads us, Father, you desire to do incredible things in and through our lives, in and through your church. Lord, may we be a body bearing one another's burdens. Lord, may we be a body that picks up each other's slack. that will bend down and lift one another up when we fall. That will speak truth into each other's lives, Lord, and will warn each other against sin. Lord Jesus, help us to understand this morning that We cannot 
care for you and love you and live for you with no regard for your body, your church. Give us passion, Lord, for the things that you are passionate about. Your mission, your people. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in these moments? Where is he calling you to respond? If you're here this morning and and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ in just a minute, as we stand and sing, some of our leaders or pastors will be in the back of the tables and would love to talk with you, pray with you. If you're here this morning and you know that you've been just sitting on the bench, it's time to get in the game. Some of our staff, Chad, Sue Ann, our missions minister, they will be here this morning. If you are ready to say, point the way, show me where I can serve, show me how I can connect. Step out in faith this morning. Lord Jesus, we worship you and exalt you and praise you. You are King of kings. Lord of lords. You're the only one worthy of our praise. And so in these moments, transform us for the sake of your kingdom. Let's stand together and worship. Thanks for listening to The Brook. If you'd like more information about our church or what it means to follow Christ, you can visit our website at thebrookchurch.com.